It's our podcast, Dusty Pages. We've got a fun one for you today, folks. How do you know? Did you look ahead? Well, I looked at the book that's in my hand. Okay. (laughs) I guess that's what I'm basing it on. Uh, This book is an eBay find. eBay? That's me. I found it on eBay. That is you. (laughs) eBay White. This one really stood out to me. Um, The title is Vital Facts of Life. And there's a picture of a teenage boy and girl holding hands on the cover. Wow. And it says by Carl H. Harmon and E.W. Marquardt. Now there's you, E.W. E.W., that's me. <laughs> I wrote this book. You wrote this book? Yeah. Wow. Um, Vital Facts of Life, a.k.a. How to Do Sex, I guess. We'll find out. We'll find when out. When we get into it. Um, back cover has those those authors. Um, unsurprisingly, two old white men. Mm. And one's <laughs> one's a pastor. One's a priest. Pastor Carl H. Harmon and Doctor E. W. Marquard, M.D. He's a medical doctor. And they also have like all the table of contents. It's not just the table of contents on the back. It's like the table of contents plus every individual section. <laughs> This title. was before they figured out you could put that in the book. Right. They had to put it on the back of the <laughs> Right. Book. They were like, where is this going to go? Eh, just put it on the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> put it on the dust cover. <laughs> Everyone takes those off anyways. Um, this dust cover is in bad shape, but the book itself is fine. Right. The I dust cover so. is kind of like peeling it's apart. It's pretty tattered. It's just like regular paper, so it's not surprising. Hmm. Marquat's face is like falling off. I know. He's about to come <laughs> off. He is about to come off. We'll make sure and uh, hold him tight on the back. Good. <laughs> Gotta hold him tight through this uh-huh. sex book. Uh, there's a mark on the ins- a stamp on the inside. M.C. Schliske, Anaheim, California. M.C. Wonder MC. if that's like master ceremonies, like uh, like <laughs> M.C. Hammer. Hey, I'm M.C. Schliske. <laughs> Do you think it's Schliske? California represent. Um, it is on this, but then also if you look on the top of the book, mm. on the pages, they've also oh, put their, that. they've stamped across See, the top of the, that's of the pages. fancy. So like when you do the flip book, you learn more and more about them. Oh. <laughs> they really wanted you to know this was their it book. It was their book. Don't take it. I guess we can read this little, in inside of the dust jacket, this is like a little summary of what the book is. It says, Vital Facts of Life by Pastor Carl H. Harmon and Dr. E.W. Marquardt, M.D. We get it. This is a straight-from-the-shoulder volume on sex, written from the Christian viewpoint. Oh, boy. They got right to the point, didn't they? Well, it is straight-from-the-shoulder, I guess. I don't know what that means. I've never heard that phrase. Oh, I think it's when you shoot. You shoot straight-from-the-shoulder, like like you're straight-shooting or something. While the authors speak frankly on sex, they never lose sight of the purposes which God has in marriage. They give realistic advice on problems regarding sex hygiene, dating, crushes. Crushes. Those two old white men are going to talk to me about crushes? Uh Okay. They've had plenty of crushes. (laughs) Personality development, self-control, courtship and engagement, marriage, establishing a home, alcoholism. Oh, alcoholism. Okay. Social diseases, profitable use of leisure time, achieving success in business and professional life. Wow, so it's like everything. This is pretty Republican so far. 
<laughs> this is a much needed book that gives young people easy access to the necessary information on the vital facts of life in their own language. Yeah, because it's written by teens? I don't know. <laughs> the emphasis on the stewardship of life, man's responsibility to God, and the purpose which God has written into every person's life distinguishes this book from the majority of other materials on this subject. Yeah, this isn't one of those smutty books. It's not smutty. It's going to teach you about sex from the shoulder, <laughs> shoulder sex, but only Christian, straight Christian from, sex. Straight from the shoulder, Christian sex. <laughs> I'm excited. Let's see. So it says, the, is that the copyright? Yeah, or? copyright 1949. Yeah, copyright 1949. Wow. That's older I, than I thought. <laughs> it's pretty old and pretty dusty. I like down here at the bottom, it says manufactured in the United States of America. Like it's mm. like it's a car. It's been manufactured. Right. <laughs> this, this book has been. Someone assembled it on an assembly went on line. an assembly line. Every page mm -hmm. put together by a different person. But all from America. Should we read the preface? Well, I don't know. It's kind of long. Blah, I'm, blah, blah. It looks young like people. It's, it's a lot of what we just read on the dust cover. Yeah. You know, God, sex, Christian, we get it. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes here. There's a lovely picture at the top uh -huh. of, again, I guess it's the same as the cover. It's the young man and the young woman holding hands, looking into a field of hay. <laughs> or is that a road? I don't know. I think it's a road. I think it's a road. A walkway. <laughs> and this chapter is called Taking the Right Steps. Get it? It goes with the picture. Oh, Stewardship of the body. That's what this section is called. Mm. The Bible tells us that God is the author of all life, whether it be human, animal, or plant life. What about minerals? Ooh, they never got, played 20 questions. Got him there. <laughs> God formed man's body out of the dust of the ground, breathed into the nostrils of that lifeless form of the breath of life, causing man to become a living soul. To each one of us is given a body wonderfully made, in quotes, which we hold in trust from the day of our birth till the end of life's journey on earth. God appoints the time of our birth, sets the bounds of our lives, and calls us away from the earth at his appointed hour. This is off to just a... Really positive start. <laughs> uh -huh. We are not the possessors, but only the stewards of life and the many gifts of his hand while living here on earth. As stewards, we are responsible to God, and we must give an account to him of the use we have made of these bodies. This stewardship also includes the proper use of our time and talents, intellect and will, personality and character. These must all be perfectly blended if that harmony is to be achieved, which will make life beautiful and useful pleasing to god and a blessing to our fellow men god that sounds impossible doesn't that's it? a lot to live up to you gotta be perfect with your body and your life and it's also not very nice like god gave me this body but i gotta take real good care of it is it a gift or what is it mine <laughs> or what no, it's like it's like when your dad gives you his old car uh -huh. as a teen. Uh -huh. It's like it's yours, it's yours but, but if you wreck it, he's gonna be so. Oh, he's gonna be so, so mad. <laughs> this our, I like this section. It's called our glorious body. Our glorious body. Our body with its thousands of differing parts. All right, was this written by a doctor or what? <laughs> <laughs> There's probably thousands of parts, so no one knows. <laughs> We are filled with wonder and amazement when we behold the human body with its vital organs, <laughs> its many members, its muscles, <laughs> tissues, and cells, all so delicately framed together into a perfect organism. 
What that's what I when I when I met you, you remember how I told you how how in love with your vital organs and your muscles and tissues and yeah, your members. My members, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, this part reads like it was written by a pastor. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Bible emphatically tells us believers, ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So yeah, like you don't own your the, you don't own your body at all. The commercial value of a lifeless body, if we count the cost of what? If we count the cost of the fourteen chemical chemical elements that go into its physical makeup, has been estimated by scientists to be ninety seven cents. Uh, citation needed. Alexa, <laughs> Alexa, what's ninety seven cents in nineteen forty nine worth today? Sorry, I don't know that. Uh, it's about a hundred dollars. <laughs> right, know. it's probably a hundred dollars <laughs> in today's dollars. Ninety-seven cents, like yeah, I'm not. I don't. A gallon commercial? of water is is more than ninety-seven cents. This is how they calculated it: was the cost of the individual chemical elements that go into it, which is a terrible way to value a body. I mean, come on, you can get a kidney for like ten thousand dollars. I know, right? <laughs> Or so I've I've heard. Mm. You can sell a kidney for ten thousand dollars. Right. I've heard. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, this is a lot about God. I guess we should maybe like I guess we should say a disclaimer. We don't believe in God. We're gonna try our best not to make fun of it too Listen, much. if you believe in this, um I don't know, read another book, but also <laughs> That's your choice, I guess. It's your choice. We're not disparaging people who believe in God, but just maybe this particular aspect of yeah, your body being owned completely by God and you having no yeah, that's not power. I mean, I don't even think most Christians believe that, right? I guess I guess they believe your body is like a temple or whatever. <laughs> that's what they say, right? Mm. <laughs> Quote: Your body is like a temple or whatever. Oh yeah, it does say. Uh, made your body his own temple, not mm. to defile the temple of God, but to keep it pure and sacred. Like, that's why people say that you shouldn't get tattoos or mm. piercings, right? Um, what about, like, a I pacemaker? Feel, I feel like nowadays, most people, most Christians don't feel that way, right? Yeah. Like, they don't think that you're not Christian because you have a piercing. Yeah, I think that might be a little old-fashioned. Old-fashioned. I mean, even in 1949, people had earlobe piercings and stuff. Oh, that was radical, though, wasn't it? That was. Um, <laughs> was it? I don't think so. That was like, if you did that, you were the baddest kid in town. Oh, if you're a boy. Yeah, oh. I'm talking about women. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like pretty much always been cool for women to pierce their ears for some reason. Even though that must be defiling your temple, right? Stewardship of the body. I defile my temple all the time. Stewardship of the body also includes the God-given use of the sex instinct. What a sexy way to put that. (laughs) Kept under control and within specific bounds, this divinely endowed instinct beautifies life and contributes to development and growth of mind and body. Uncontrolled, the sex instinct tends to enslave the mind, to undermine the health of the body, and even to destroy the spiritual life of the soul. By the sex instinct, they gotta stop saying that. Yeah, it's weird. God draws together through the cords of love a man and a woman and binds them in a lifelong union of marriage for the purpose of friendship, helpfulness, and the begetting of children to perpetuate the human race. You know God loves that begetting. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that was God's purpose in instituting marriage and establishing the home as the first and most important unit of society. Marriage and the establishment of a home should be the aim of all normal-minded young people. Normal-minded. To this, marriage and home, every young man should, and woman, hashtag feminism, should bring a healthy body and a clean mind. So if you don't have a healthy body, don't get married. If you don't have Not a allowed. clean mind, you can't have a house. <laughs> Christian young people must realize that the purpose of the sex instinct may not be violated without inviting upon themselves God's wrath and displeasure and the penalties of moral impurity. Christian young people will always hold in regard the sex instinct as a sacred trust given them of God, for which they also must give an account to their maker and lord. Thank you, lord, for making me horny. <laughs> it is weird to think about it that way, right? I mean, that's what they're saying uh -huh. is that whenever you feel horny, you gotta thank you gotta the Lord. Thank the Lord, and I do all the time. <laughs> Food and drink. Now, this is <laughs> this is a flip of the script here. First, in importance in maintaining good health is food. In italics, <laughs> food values are no longer a matter of guesswork in our day. The relative value of foods in their relation to good health and in the development of strong bodies and healthy minds has been carefully studied and sent down in food charts for our guidance. From these, we can readily learn what foods are best. Mm, they're talking about the gluttonous habit of Americans. They dig their grave with their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible places the sin of gluttony on a par with the drunkenness and other serious crimes and sins. Mm. I mean, p putting it with drunkenness makes sense, I guess. <laughs> food drink mm -hmm. the excessive use of alcohol is likewise forbidden in god's word the stewardship of life and health and our responsibility to others demand that we be sober at all times <laughs> what about when you drink the the wine you know right jesus made extra wine at that wedding remember that <laughs> i'm interested in this story a few years ago, the Missouri University was shocked and rocked to its very foundation by the tragic death of a 21-year-old Kansas City junior after his initiation into a Sub Rosa drinking fraternity. As a part of the initiation ceremonies, all candidates were required to drink, and this student drank too much. He returned to his room at 2 o'clock in the morning, and after a few hours, his friends found him dead in bed. <laughs> This is not an isolated incident. Excessive drinking has wrecked many a promising young life. I, Was that Brett Kavanaugh? That's, <laughs> I mean, sad. Yes. If that happened. Um, he drank but, so much that he died overnight, though. Right. I mean, is it that... Did it rock the university that much to its core that, like, one kid died of alcohol poisoning after drinking until two in the morning? Like, that's a daily occurrence. <laughs> in college right maybe not in 1949 i don't know drinking till two in the morning yeah yeah not dying was it was it methanol was it the, oh. the stuff that'll make you go blind I mean, you can die from alcohol poisoning i guess maybe he like i don't think one night of drink of yeah. drinking no, can, can kill you what even if you've of had a it lot can. i don't yes. think so Do i've been pretty drunk is? listen they always had those charts up in the college dorms and they said, this is how many drinks you can have based on this body weight, if you're a man or a woman. But it is true that at a certain point, if you ingest too much alcohol, you will die from having too much alcohol in your blood. Uh, I just don't think you can, like, willingly... Like, it's like you can hold your no, breath until you die, but no, I, I yeah, don't that's think it's why, possible. But that's why. It's because, like, 
you can be drunk enough to not black yeah, that's out true. and still drink like a lot of liquor, you know, not with beer, but you can do it with liquor for sure. Mm. And also like you can choke on your vomit and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that one I, I'll buy that. <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar. Mm. What else we got here? Rest and recreation. Second in importance is rest and recreation in the maintaining of a healthy body and clear mind. Sleep is without question the best medium through which mm. to recuperate one's sleep. You one's said it. I, I almost said sleep is without question the best medium through which to recuperate one's sleep. Mm. <laughs> sleep is pretty great. I will agree with this book on that. They got me so far. <laughs> God invented sleep. He must be all right. Strange as it may seem, those who exert themselves mentally as professional men and women and students require more sleep as a rule than those engaged in manual labor. I I don't think there... Doesn't everyone need sleep regardless yeah. of what you do during the day? And probably manual laborers need more sleep. I don't know. I'll just <laughs> yeah. put that out there. Yeah, I was more tired. That seems like a kind of elitist thing to I say. Think, yeah. I think doing like working in food service... Had me more, like, exhausted. Yeah, like, being on your feet all day makes you so exhausted. Mm. And, I mean, sleep is for mental recuperation, too, but it's definitely for physical recuperation. Yeah, I think uh, they need to that get their sounds facts like, straight. Yeah, that sounds like some white-collar bullshit right there. That sounds like some white people bullshit. <laughs> we have always advised students to be in bed by 10 or 10.30 o'clock. See, that always seems strange to me. Well, maybe it's because I work a weird I work a really weird schedule I work from like 3.30 a.m. to noon so for me to go to bed at 10 is like way too late but then like isn't that strange that they just tell you what time to go to bed but they don't say like when you should be getting up yeah you like, I go guess to bed at 10 or 10.30 and you just wake up around 2 in the afternoon the next day <laughs> right right. it's like I mean I guess they're implying that you'd wake up at like 7 or something but like I don't know I've always found that strange when they just say like yeah go to bed by 10 guys <laughs> it's like okay what if what if I need to wake up no. at 4 in the morning go to bed at 10 <laughs> there's truth in the old adage of our grandmothers one hour sleep before 12 is worth two hours after Huh. One hour sleep before 12. So, oh. like, going to sleep oh. at 11 is like going to sleep at 3 <laughs> Wait. p.m. Wait. Wait a second. <laughs> no, I like it. Okay. That sounds right to me. Um, the homely old proverb is still true. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I thought that was a quote from The Shining. I didn't know that was, an, that was a, a real phrase Wait. before then. <laughs> Wait, what? I didn't know that was a real, that was apparently like, a, an idiom before yeah, then. I think it's like in... I um, thought it was coined in The Shining. No, it's like a nursery rhyme or something. Oh. I don't know the rest of it, but... Well, shows you how much I read. <laughs> Let's see. Avoid worry and care. That's what I need to do. Just avoid it. <laughs> you feeling sad? Just don't. Just don't. <laughs> the third requisite maintaining good health and a well-balanced mind is freedom from worry and anxiety. The worry habit betrays a lack of trust and confidence in God and in ourselves. Is the worry habit related to the sex instinct? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, they did really take a turn. Um, they were talking about sex and then all of a sudden now they're talking about the, life. The author got too excited. He was writing <laughs> right. that sex chapter and... <laughs> he was like, whoa, gotta slow down. He started to get a little horny and thank God too much and he had to stop. <laughs> had to move on to alcohol. 
So yeah, basically just like uh, God's word and prayer are the best antidotes for worry and anxiety. So like stop taking your medicine and just I could have been saving so much money all this time. (laughs) Clothing and shoes. Proper clothing is another requisite in maintaining good health. Clothing is intended, first of all, to protect the body. Therefore, clothes should be comfortable, clean, and suitable for climactic conditions. True. The modern tendency to wear what style dictates rather than what weather conditions require will cause discomfort and illness. <laughs> they say that's the modern modern tendency, but like... They that... just don't respect my drip. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think this pastor and this doctor do respect your drip. They don't. You know what, though? He's right. It will make me ill. Ah, it'll make you pretty dope. Um, In the selection of shoes, many young people have been grave offenders. (laughs) Yeah, you've seen Crocs. (laughs) Particularly do the women try to find shoes that will make their feet look smaller, even if they must pay the price in severe discomfort and deformed toes and injured feet. Wait, it says any salesman in a shoe store will tell you that most people wear shoes that do not fit them properly. Mina, you've been a salesman in a shoe store. I was a salesman in a shoe store. Will you tell me that uh, people Um, don't wear shoes that fit no i think they probably do uh <laughs> well it's hard isn't it because every brand is different so like even someone would come and say like hey usually i'm a six but like in this one i'm a seven so can you bring me a five a six a seven and an eight <laughs> <laughs> and then like you know randomly one of those would be right um there were a lot of like older women that i served because i worked in a yonkers which is like a like a Macy's kind of thing. Um, so there was like a lot of older, like wealthy women who would come in there and, um, they all needed me to measure their feet and Mm. put their shoes on for them. You gotta grab their feet. So I always had to touch their feet and like, they were nice. Like they were clean. They were fine. But still it was like kind of nasty to touch everyone's feet. So like I much preferred when someone would just try on a bunch of shoes to figure out their Mm. shoe size rather than have me measure their feet. (laughs) That's because I was a bad salesman, though. Yeah. (laughs) I I was like, ah. You weren't cut out for that. Either either people are buying shoes or they're not, right? There's nothing you can do to (laughs) influence them. There's nothing I can do. What, are you going to upsell them heels? Listen, either they like the boots or they don't, okay? That's just how it is. At least for me, it is. I'm either going to buy the shoes or I'm not. They say, I, these boots are all right. I take them or leave them. And you say, leave them. Yeah. I was bad at that job. <laughs> no, I was fine. But I would just, like, take take people as they came, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I made my commissions. It's just, like, I would ask everybody if they needed help. And then the ones who did need help, I would get their sales. <laughs> <laughs> that's a way to do it. It's pretty easy. Chapter two, personality development. Personality. Do you have it? <laughs> <laughs> they're already assuming i'm very very boring uh-huh. i mean that's you fair are enough. reading this book i am reading this book <laughs> and i am a young person who can't find shoes or something i don't know <laughs> what are all the things they said about me um if personality did not exist we should have to invent it so important it is in success to success in life whether it be in school in courtship and marriage or in our social business or professional life That was a dumb sentence. (laughs) If personality didn't exist, it sounds like when you start your essay and you, like, don't really know where you're going with it. You're just like, I have to write this about personality. Webster's Dictionary defines personality. (laughs) Right. Personality is important. (laughs) 
Personality was once regarded as something that some people were lucky enough to be born with, but others not. Today we no longer believe this, but hold that each one is born with his own distinctive personality pattern, which he must develop and improve. There are many definitions of personality, <laughs> of which we shall list only a few. In Webster's Dictionary, You're joking. personality is defined as including <laughs> individuality, distinct, distinction or excellence of personal <laughs> or social This traits. is a joke. It's literally Webster's Dictionary. The totality of an individual's characteristics. EJ, they... You said that they without... They took my joke. You said that without reading that paragraph. They stole my joke. And then they stole it. They had to pad... The, the publisher said, I need 500 words per... What? The publisher <laughs> said, I need 1,000 pages. What is this? 500 pages? I don't know. 200 pages? It could be any number. It's like 100... It's like 100... 100 something 20, pages. Something like that. They had to pad it. They, You know Gotta they used those. Gotta put something in there. They, they one and a half spaced it. <laughs> uh, personality and environment. Personality and life. We get it. You need a personality. Get one. <laughs> oh, this is a chapter for you. Three. For an enlightened young manhood. That's me, all right. Oh. The wise stewardship of the body demands for young men the proper understanding of the purpose and function of the sex or reproductive male organs. Oh. The fact that the male sex organs contribute so much to healthy and vigorous manhood is something which very few boys and men seem to realize and understand. Hmm. Like, in comparison to the female sex organs, or like... <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> Any abuse or misuse of the sex organ in boyhood or young manhood not only constitutes a sin in the sight of God, but also tends to impair the steady growth, the good health, and the needed strength for virile manhood. Every... <laughs> <laughs> Every normal boy and man possesses two glands, known as testicles, which are carried mm. in the scrotum, or bag, attached <laughs> to the body between the legs. Or bag. It does not say that. Oh my god. <laughs> These two glands function in a manner similar to all the other glands in the body in that they give off secretions. Mm. <laughs> We all know that the glands of the mouth secrete saliva to be mixed with our food and aid digestion. The sex glands are different in that they produce and emit two different types of secretions. The hormone, or internal secretion, internal is never seen, <laughs> but is most important for the development of the body and the personality of the individual. This secretion is carried through the bloodstream to the muscles and the brain, giving tone to the muscles, vitality to the nerves, and power to the brain. Without this internal secretion flowing in a constant stream to the various parts of the body, the steady development into a strong and healthy manhood would be impossible. Because of these important functions, these glands must be given the utmost care. Beginning at the age of 13, 14, or 15, sometimes earlier and sometimes later, okay, why even mention any ages <laughs> at all, boys begin to undergo a number of physical changes. The voice begins to change, the body rapidly increases in height, the shoulders broaden and the hair becomes coarser and grows longer on the face, under the arms, on the chest, and around the sex organs. These sex organs themselves, the scrotum, or bag, <laughs> <laughs> um, containing the testicles and the penis, develop to normal size. All these changes are natural at this time of a boy's life. Should these changes begin to manifest themselves not at the age of 14 or 15, but at the age of 16, this delay does not indicate any physical defect. Oof, that's pretty judgmental. <laughs> Oftentimes, I wish that they told me what the normal size of the penis and bag were. 
<laughs> I want to know. Right. Like, where's our measurements here? <laughs> Is there a picture? I hope so. Oftentimes, the boy in whom these changes come when a few years older has a decided advantage over the boys who mature exceptionally early in life. The sex organs should always be kept healthy and clean. Most boys today are circumcised. Yeah, true. When but a few days old. And this is a very good thing from the standpoint of sanitation. This is a little outdated, mm. isn't it? If the foreskin of the penis is not removed, it has a tendency to accumulate under it irritating substances. Gross. Which may prove very unsanitary. Smegma. <laughs> <laughs> the, the foreskin should always be in such condition that it can easily be drawn back and that the surface beneath can be kept clean through regular bathing. When the foreskin is too tight to permit this simple operation without discomfort, the family physician should be consulted with a view to removing it. Man, they're very pro-circumcision, yeah. aren't they? It's in the Bible. It's the, it's the covenant uh, between Abraham and uh, God. Right. Why? <laughs> what, did God tell Abraham... He had to cut he off said, his foreskin, and Abraham said, was like, okay. He said, listen, I want your child's penis. And Abraham was like, what? And God said, oh, sorry. I mean, I want just the tip of your child's <laughs> penis. And Abraham was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's a lot better. <laughs> it should not be disturbing to the boy if during this period of puberty, the penis becomes hard and erect at times. The condition can be changed. The condition. <laughs> <laughs> can be changed quickly if the thoughts are changed and the mind is occupied with other thoughts and interests. Now, I don't know, because listen, when I was in fourth grade, you got boners. There was no rhyme or reason. Right. And it's not a condition to get boners in puberty. Like, that's just. Well, maybe if you're this pastor. Right. 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 Where he, he's you, never had a boner in his life. Right. <laughs> Sometimes this growing up period in life is marked by the presence of pimples on the body and especially on the face. We wish to emphasize that the presence of pimples is not a sure sign of sexual disorder, as some have been led to believe. Have they? Was that a... <laughs> must have been a thing. All right. The presence of these skin eruptions gross, must be due to faulty eating habits. Actually, no. Isn't it just hormones? Anyways. Teenage boys often fall into the sinful and ruinous habit of self-abuse. Self-abuse. Yeah, we've Sorry. been there. <laughs> Using their sexual organs for the lewd and sinful satisfaction of their own lust. Yeah, we've been there. <laughs> this is a serious sin, and one that cannot but call down the wrath of God upon the offender. Mm. That's crazy, because every boy God does has this. never visited me when I've been abusing myself. <laughs> and I've done it at least 20,000 times. <laughs> Not once? This pastor thinks that he has. Mm, maybe he's having different... Uh, right. <laughs> different this pastor's di doing something real bad. <laughs> <laughs> Where God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hang on, this is not normal. There can be no doubt that it drains away much energy and strength from the growing youth. Mm. If this sin has been indulged in, the offender should at once go to God in penitent confession and pray God to give him strength to break the spell of this evil habit at once. <laughs> I mean, that's a tough one, right? Like, you're just supposed to never, ever, ever abuse yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's so gross. Maybe they make it sound gross, so you don't want to do it. Mm, fair point. 
boys or young men who permit their thoughts to dwell upon sex practices, who read vulgar and indecent stories, who look at lewd pictures of scantily clad or nude women, stimulate the sex glands and create a desire that may gain the mastery and lead to adultery or self-abuse. A young man invites trouble and creates a temptation for himself when he fills his mind with stories and pictures that present sexual perversions. Such habits will warp and pervert his attitude towards sex and women and cause him to forget the exalted, God-given purpose and function of the sex organs and to think only of the satisfaction of the lust of the flesh. Yeah, it's not normal to not be thinking about God during the, mm. <laughs> during all that. You gotta fantasize about God right, when you're exactly. jerking your wiener. <laughs> As has been said, this section is called The Reproduction of Life. As has been said, the first function and purpose of the male sex organs is to help every boy develop into healthy manhood. Second is that of reproduction, or the begetting of children. I don't get the first function is to help the boy develop into manhood. I think they're talking about hormones. Uh, like, just, the, just having balls. But not the, not the pee-pee. Right. That's not part of it. Right. The second purpose should not come into operation until the boy has developed into manhood and become married. Hmm. The begetting and bearing of children is the first purpose set by God for the married. By the... Oops. <laughs> <laughs> by the process of reproduction, all forms of life on earth, whether human, animal, or plant, or mineral, <laughs> are <laughs> perpetuated. If this important function of reproduction were to fail, the whole world would soon be without a sign of life. Honestly, it'd probably be fine. <laughs> yeah. It'd probably be for the best. Probably like half of people could become infertile and we'd be fine. It is an insult to God, therefore, when sex functions are degraded to the gratif to the gratification of selfish lust. God is insulted. Well, you better get used to it. <laughs> and then this is just a lot of um God invented sex and animals do it, so we're like that or something. I don't know. <laughs> and it just keeps urging you to keep your sex passion under control. The lone wolf type of boy who shies away from all associations with girls and retreats into his shell is often in greater danger of temptation than those who associate in a natural way with girls during these years of adjustment and development. A Christian young man of intelligence will always regard young women in their true light as future companions in marriage and future mothers of the race. Every intelligent young man will treat every young woman as he would expect another man to treat his own sister. What if I'm not intelligent? <laughs> the claim that it is necessary for the health of a young man to, indul to indulge in sex relations before marriage is a lie inspired by the devil. <laughs> The young man who makes this claim is either ignorant of the truth or is looking for an excuse for his sins. Yep, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Every young man who has reached maturity and marries the fine young woman whom he has chosen to share his love and companionship and to be the mother of his children forms with her a link in the long chain of humanity which reeks, reaches back to God's original creation and forward to the end of the world. That was a long what a, sentence. What a sentence. <laughs> I guess that about wraps it up. Chapter 4 for an enlightened young womanhood. Every young woman who resolves to marry and aspires to be a good wife and companion to a good and noble man, a consecrated Christian homemaker, and a good mother to her children seeks a position of nobility that must be highly regarded and prized. Can't wait to hear these these two <laughs> chumps tell me about <laughs> how to what, be a woman. What a woman's place is. Right. I mean, yes, true. Women should be able to be homemakers if they want. But 
Let's not say that it's the only thing they can mm-hmm. be, right? Luna? Luna doesn't want to be a homemaker. She wants to be an astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> she wants to land on the moon. To become a great person in the world, one must first of all have a great mother. That's so... Oof. Um, that's so reductionist, isn't it? Men can be great, but at least you will have raised them. <laughs> oh, I was thinking it, it like really says it's a big fuck you to like orphans or people raised by homosexual Oh, uh, yeah, that too. That too. Or gay men. Or if your mom just wasn't around, if you were raised by your dad or your grandma or your grandpa. Luna. Luna keeps me out. You know why? Because she's a woman and she disagrees. She doesn't like this chapter. (laughs) She says, I want to do what I want. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just kind of messed up, isn't it? Truly great men in every age have freely admitted their lifelong debt of gratitude to their mothers. Abraham Lincoln speaks for them all in... He speaks for them all (laughs) in this generous tribute. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe to my dear, dear mother. I mean, that's the thing is, like, that's sweet and everything. And, like, you know, everyone wants to thank their mom. But also, like, it just implies that only men can do things with their lives. And And, only men can be great. And if you're thinking, like, if you're saying he was nothing without his mother, where's all the statues to Molly Lincoln? What's her name? Exactly. No one even knows her name. Exactly. Every girl developing into womanhood must understand some of the important changes and processes of life and the functions of the organs of the body, especially those of sex and reproduction. These organs of various sizes, okay, (laughs) are known as glands. They love glands. Interesting. These differing types of glands produce their own kind of secretion, gross, for development, health, and strength of the body. The largest gland in the body is the liver. How come they didn't talk about this with men? Men also have livers. Which secretes bile or gall to help in the digestion and assimilation of the food we eat. Then there are smaller glands, some in the cheeks and under the tongue, which secretes saliva to be mixed with your food to aid digestion. The tear glands give off moisture to keep the eyeballs clean and healthy. I was going to make a joke that they just call all the organs glands, because that's the science word. And I was going to say, like, oh, you know, like your glands and your... That you look out of yeah. the glands in your uh, eye sockets. But they actually they t- did they talk do. about that. <laughs> Everything's a gland. Certain glands are peculiar to the bodies of women, and some peculiar to the bodies of men. The ovaries are two important glands which belong to the sex or rep- reproductive organs of women. The ovaries are productive of two types of secretions. Gross. The first being transmitted directly into the body to help with its natural development, health, and strength. This secretion from the ovaries is of great importance to the physical development of a woman. Blah, blah, blah. This is the same thing as with the men. And let's just point out, it doesn't need to be said, but some men have ovaries and some women have wieners. (laughs) And that's okay. Wieners. Yes. And, I mean, some people have neither or both. Right. And it's all fine. Don't listen to this book from 1949. They fucking didn't know nothing. (laughs) They were like, oh, what's that? A gland? It's... (laughs) Is that a... Is that, right. f- you got five glands on your hand? <laughs> They're secreting things, so They're they secreting. must be glands. <laughs> Shapely development. This physical development is aided directly by the, quote, internal secretion, gross, from the, eye, from the ovaries, which helps to give luster to a girl's hair, sparkle to her eyes, and the shapeliness and beauty to her limbs and form. I mean, I guess it gives you shapeliness, but I don't know about hair and the sparkle in your eyes like uh, i don't know about all that 
No, doesn't the sparkle come from the eye glands? Right. Yeah, everyone has those. Mm. Tear glands. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's saying the same thing as with the men. Don't don't use your sex instinct in a lewd immor- immorality. The reproductive organs of every normal woman. See, like, that's kind of problematic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's not. Just even saying normal. Oh, is like yeah. not necessary. That's gross. I don't like. Uh, consists of the uterus or womb, two fallopian tubes, the two ovaries, and the vagina. The uterus is a pear-shaped body. Is it pear-shaped? An upside-down pear? Yeah, I guess the stem is your IUD. <laughs> if you have one, uh, about three inches long, hanging. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> hanging with the small end downward. Oh yeah, okay. In the lower part of the body. Its lower end opens into the vagina, which is a short tube (laughs) connecting with the outside. The fallopian tubes are attached to each side of the upper end of the uterus, and beyond the end of each tube is an ovary. One of the functions of the... Oh, blah, blah, blah. More glandular secretions. (laughs) Okay, so now for, for girls, they said between the ages of 12 and 15 years. Because girls mature earlier? Yeah. I guess that's true. Isn't that true? Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, I always thought that boys start puberty f- earlier, but then girls mature faster. Like, they start later, but they mature yeah, faster. Yeah, that might be true. I don't know. I, I don't know either. I ain't a doctor. Like, like this is doctor. Right. We're, this book. <laughs> we're not doctors like this doctor. Uh, the girl's sex organs mature and begin to produce one of these egg cells once every 28 days. Yeah, thanks a lot. At the same time that the egg cell passes into the uterus, an additional supply of blood is sent there to help in its development and growth. If the additional blood is not needed for the development of the egg cell, it passes out of the body via the vagina at the monthly period. This process is known as menstruation. Don't I know it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't gotta tell me twice. If I read that as a prepubescent girl, though, I would be so confused. Mm. I'd be like, it leaves the body? What? My uterus leaves the body? (laughs) That's what it sounded like. A girl will not be alarmed if she knows these facts, but will rejoice in the knowledge that she is growing up. <laughs> I don't know about that. Did you rejoice when you knew that <laughs> no. you had your period? No. And now no. you're going to have it for like well, 45 years? You know what? Actually, when I did get my period, I was like, I was 10 years old, which is really young. So I was like kind of excited because I was like, oh, I got my period before anyone else. You know, like my older sister... Mora, sorry to out you, Mora, <laughs> had, she got her period, like, right before I got mine. So mm. I felt, like, pretty cool, because I was, like... You were a cool old kid. I know, exactly. Like, I got my period the same time as my older sister. You had to spend three more years of money buying tampons. I know, exactly. Like, at the time, I thought it was so cool and, like, so grown up, but, like, really, it just meant that I have had to deal with a period for way longer. But... And I'll probably have more problems with you but, know, uh, menopause and stuff that made you a pro at having a period it's true then i'm pretty good at it now you can have a period with your eyes closed <laughs> and i do <laughs> at night a lot to avoid unnecessary distress during this time menstruation um due to internal pressure on the uterus special care should be taken to evacuate the bladder and the bowels regularly what? and completely Ugh. i've never heard that <laughs> that you should like internal pressure on the uterus well okay so there's such a thing as like period poops right where like you get diarrhea sometimes but like 
it's not like you need to, to oh I have to make sure I go to the bathroom because I have my period like <laughs> it'll take care of itself <laughs> you don't gotta worry about it you gotta empty your bowels regularly and completely I just Ugh. like how is like is that a thing people can I mean maybe at the age of 29 I should know this already but is that a thing people can do like you can just decide that you're going to empty your bowels at any point like that's something that has to happen naturally right i think you can do it but you got to commit like an hour oh god it sounds if you're not ready to you're gonna be spending a lot of listen that's how you get hemorrhoids Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is bad advice uh the external parts of the sex organs should be kept absolutely clean by regular bathing with warm water and soap Actually, you're, like, not really supposed to use soap, I've heard. Oh, you missed this part. The more strenuous forms of exercise should be omitted during more stren... Oh, during this period, such as swimming and horseback riding. (laughs) Horseback horseback riding. Well, I mean, mean, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, no. You know what? Yeah, you have... You ride that horseback... Ride that horseback... Whenever... Whether whenever you're bleeding or not. Who cares? As long as they consent. (laughs) Now, wait a second. There really is a strange word here that I've never heard of. Uh, Something about the egg cell begins to grow and develop in the body of a newly conceived child. It must be fertilized by the spermatozoon. (laughs) I think it's spermatozoan. Oh. But spermatozoon is a much funnier way. That's what it looks like. Spermatozoan. I guess that makes more sense. Or the male germ cell. Spermatozoon. Spermatozoon. <laughs> Spermatozoon and Tyler too. Anyway. Ooh, okay. Here's the juicy part. Ooh. This fertilization. No, this is the secretiony part. Oh yeah, true. It's not gonna be exciting because it's it's the vital facts of life. It's very sterile. <laughs> yeah. This fertilization takes place through sexual intercourse when the husband, by inserting the penis into the vagina of his wife, discharge it gross. That's such a, like, it's such a clean way to say it, but it's such a nasty way to say Uh it. Discharges the sperm or male germ cells, known as semen, directly to the egg cell. As soon as the two make contact, the male cell fertilizes the female cell, i.e. it makes it capable of growing and developing into a new body. Is it directly to the egg cell? Isn't it? Doesn't it (laughs) gotta, like, go through the... Your egg's not hanging out in the vagina they did completely miss like the cervix right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they were like oh your uterus is just like fl- it goes right into your vagina the eggs just flop out they of just it into flop the vagina right out. then when it's fertilized it crawls back up into the uterus <laughs> maybe they didn't know that the cervix was a thing <laughs> have they never seen it anyways i, I mean these guys probably kind of seems like yeah it kind of seems that way <laughs> okay now we're getting deep into like childbirth pregnancy more glands the breasts they're calling the breasts glands now which is true sure these glands perform a chemical miracle and produce milk from the food partaken by the mother the timing is perfect and by the time the child needs the nourishment of milk after its birth the glands of the breast have supplied these needs and are able to continue this supply no God-fearing young woman can fail to note from all this that God has joined a high and holy purpose to the instinct of sex as it is related to love, to mating, and to the establishment of a home and the rearing of a family. Then why did God make titties look cool? <laughs> this is a good point. It's just for the baby? Why do the man like the titties? Mm. Or the lady? Because it's for both, isn't it? 
They're for both. I argued with someone on Twitter. I probably shouldn't say this. <laughs> well, I won't get too far into it, but they were like, breasts should never be... Mm. Breasts are for feeding babies. They're not a sexual thing. And it's like, well, but they are like they're both. And that's fine. They can be both. Mm-hmm. And context matters. I went to Catholic school for 15 years or whatever. They said the same shit. So That breasts are just for feeding babies. And yeah. it's not true. It's, like, they are sexual organs. Look, that's why you look at them titties. That's why when I was a kid, <laughs> I'd search big boobs, no credit card required. <laughs> Because all the goddamn porn sites, you had to have a credit card. You searched for no credit card I would type, required. I would type into the, into the address bar, uh, like, pornwithoutcreditcard.com. Because yeah. that's how we did it when we were right. kids. Right, yeah, that sounds like And then you. it would it would take your you main, to the... Your main concern was I just no wanted no card. credit card. Because, listen, I couldn't, like, steal my mom's credit card. She'd find oh, out. Oh, of course not, yeah. Um, uh, you'd find the you'd find the website that has all the great JPEGs, and they take a little bit oh, to download. Right, and it takes you get like it's, you spend like twenty minutes, and you've got like half a face. Uh-huh. You'd get the <laughs> what they did would they they'd have the thumbnails, so it'd be like a small JPEG, mm-hmm. and then it would say click to enlarge. And I always thought that meant like your wiener, <laughs> like you're enlarging your wiener, because because that's what happened when I, I was mean, a child. Yeah, that's you click fair it, enough. and my wiener enlarges. <laughs> That's pretty solid reasoning, actually, for a preteen. <laughs> That's why you gotta let the kids just do what they want on the internet because they'll figure it out for themselves. <laughs> let them do what they want. No, don't let them do what they want. And look at me now. You're doing great. <laughs> okay, what is this about teenage crime? From a report in the Everyday Magazine of the St. Louis Post Dispatch entitled Teenage Crime is on the March. We see that arrests of boys under 18 years of age increased 18.8% between 1941 and 1944, that of girls 117.8%. The same report reveals that J. Edgar Hoover and federal agencies with responsibility in the field of juvenile delinquency gassed their loudest when they examined the figures on teenage girls. They compared the figures for 1944 with those of 1939 and found a 174% increase in arrests for drunkenness and driving while intoxicated. Oh yeah. And right <laughs> on, girls. And a 357% increase in arrests of girls under 18 for prostitution and sex offenses. I mean, that's, that's just sad. That's kind of sad, yeah. Yeah. But they're trying to make it sound like this is sinful. Yeah. I think it's more like desperation, isn't it? Right. That causes that. Well, and, you know, kidnapping. Yeah, kidnapping. And, right. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. But the girls sell, sold their souls to Satan, according to this book. <laughs> yeah, so we don't have to think about them anymore. We can just uh, say that they're losers and move on. Oh, they're going to talk about abortion. I didn't realize, I mean, I knew abortion has been around forever. But I didn't realize they used the word abortion back then. Mm. I thought abortion was more recent. Like from, like from Roe v. Wade times. Well, wasn't Roe v. Wade decided in the seventies? Was it? Yeah, like seventy-seven or something. Mm. Alexa, when was Roe v. Wade decided? In the case of Roe v. Wade, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned a Texas statute banning abortion, legalizing the procedure throughout the United States on January twenty-second, nineteen seventy-three. Oh, that's close. Okay. I guess I just Some think reason. of it as a modern word, but I guess yeah. I guess it must have been around for a long time. I mean, I guess what else would you call it? Termination. Mm, yeah. 
Another horrible practice of the present day is that of abortion. Abortion is an ugly word. In abortion, a woman who has conceived a child in her womb and does not want it destroys the embryo child and becomes the murderous oh wow <laughs> becomes the murderous of her unborn flesh and blood. So common has become this practice of murdering unwanted children Ugh, before they are born <laughs> that this year nineteen forty seven in this country, one of every three pregnancies will end in abortion. That can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> a third of these will be spontaneous or therapeutic. Oh what? Oh, like, like miscarriage. miscarriage, yeah. But others will be self-induced or performed illegally. As a result, hundreds of women will die. Thousands of others will be sterile or injured permanently. I mean, how do you how do you argue against spontaneous or therapeutic abortion? Mike Pence did. Yeah, that's sad. The nation's leading obstetricians and gynecologists are agreed that there is no drug or combination of drugs taken by mouth which will start abortion. Oh, that's, that's not really true, true, is it? That's not really true. I mean, nowadays you can, yeah, you can take a pill up to what a few weeks after your. Uh... Um, it's more yeah. You're supposed to take it right after, and then I yeah, I think it's only effective for a couple weeks. But then there are, I think there are pills that you can be prescribed to have an abortion if it's early enough, outside of like the Plan B thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not just like is that what Plan B is. No, that's a different plan, thing, isn't plan it? Plan B is the one you take right after. No, but there's a, there's a separate abortion pill separate from Plan B, isn't it? That's there? what I'm saying. Like, I think there's another one that you can get prescribed. Mm, that's what I'm thinking of. That's like, will give you an abortion. But it's not people are happily choosing, you know, we, oh, we know. <laughs> we all know. Everyone, <laughs> it's 2020, we all know. Yeah. Get an abortion. The only thing that'll stop. A bad girl with an abortion is a good girl with an abortion. That's what I What does say. that mean? <laughs> it's like when they say the only thing that stops a, a bad guy with yeah, a gun. Yeah, I don't think it applies here. <laughs> yeah, but I said it on what's Twitter a, once. What's a bad girl with an abortion? I said it on Twitter and everyone liked it. So okay. I, again. I gotta reuse my jokes because I only got so many. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Anyways, blah, blah, don't have an abortion. We don't agree. Okay. Chapter five. <laughs> The boy and the girl on a date. That's us. Oh, how cute. They're drinking their little soda pops at the soda fountain. With the soda jerk. (laughs) 75 years ago, three-fourths of the people of our country lived in rural areas. Today, we find 75% or more dwell in urban centers. What has this to do with the dating of young people? Quite a bit. This shift in the living habits of our people has brought the majority closer together and has made social contact much easier. These closer associations between teenage boys and girls in our day in the many social activities lead to dating at an earlier age. Since the natures of boys and girls vary greatly, it is difficult to say when dating may properly begin. That is a matter which they and their parents, each exercising equally good common sense, must work out for themselves. Suffice it to say that regular dating in the first years of high school, except for special occasions at school functions, should not be seriously entertained. Okay, <laughs> Says who? High school. Wait. Yeah, I was dating before high school. <laughs> I thought. I know. I thought he was gonna say like when you're ten or eleven or whatever. Maybe they. Well, I was gonna say maybe they define dating as like you have sex with the person, but obviously they wouldn't. No. Say yeah. That. They just mean like dating, like courtship. Like you hold hands. I was holding hands with girls uh, when I was young. Yeah, because that's just fine it's just fun to have a nice cute little girlfriend yeah 
purpose of dating when a boy of later high school years, which apparently is the only time you can date, <laughs> calls a girl for a date, he should do so with the thought of cultivating a mutual friendship. This takes for granted that in their group associations, these young people were attracted to each other by some special interest, which prompted the boy to ask for a date. What special interest? I'm really confused about, like, whether they're talking about, like, courting for marriage, or are they talking about, like, you just think the girl is pretty... Uh, they're not being very clear. No, because they, they've never... Neither of these guys have done they've it. They've never dated. <laughs> I mean, again, they're writing a they're writing a paper, a book report on a book they haven't mm. read. With this noble purpose constantly in mind, dating will never degenerate into, quote, necking and other questionable practices. <laughs> the young people who will hold to these high ideals of friendship cultivation demanded by their Christian principles will find that they benefit greatly in personality development, social graces, and the art of easy conversation and entertainment. Yeah, why kiss when you can have a conversation? <laughs> <laughs> They're saying you should choose, like, the most morally clean people in your school to date. It just seems like, what is the point? Mm. You gotta have <laughs> the most a... milk toast girlfriend you can, right. you can imagine. Is it a date if you're just, like, being friends? That seems weird. And friends who don't, who aren't, don't have personalities? Right. Friends who aren't kissing and aren't holding hands and are just talking on a soda fountain. That's just friends. That's, you do that with your fellas. <laughs> That's not dating. Where shall young people go and what shall they do? Social affairs at school and the church. Picnics and outings. Parties in the homes. A few good movies thrown in. A few. I don't know about that. That might lead to necking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Parents should be ready to open their homes to the young people. <laughs> and the latter should be encouraged to bring their dates to the home for an evening of fun and entertainment. Mm. Mm, fun with your parents. Hey, right, right. Hey, you want to come hang out with my parents? We're going to play Yahtzee. <laughs> that does sound fun. You do want to do that? Yeah, it does sound fun. One thing that definitely should not be done on a date is mm. commonly known as petting, smooching, smooching. or necking. <laughs> Want to smooch? Want to pet? Oh. <laughs> when a leader of a group of boys recently remarked that a man should treat every woman with the same consideration which he would wish other men to show his sister if he had one, one of the boys quickly remarked, gosh, if you did that, you couldn't have any fun. Fair point. I know, he's right. Also, this is weird because... You shouldn't be treating your date like your sister. Yeah. Your, your date and your sister should not be equal. <laughs> there should be a difference between them. Otherwise, why are you dating this and girl? And then why are you going to marry him later? Right. Just like marry your sister. Cut out the middleman. <laughs> I feel... Yeah. It's just... It's getting into weird territory. Like, treat your date exactly like you treat your sister because that's the ideal of male-female relationships. Pull her hair and make fun of her. <laughs> Here is a boy who thought, as many do, that a distinction is to be made between the girls and the women whom one respects and those with whom one, one would dare to have fun and exploit for one's own sinful satisfaction. Such distinctions simply do not exist. So if you treat a girl... I just don't understand that. If you don't treat a girl like your sister, it's because you, you want to be sinful with them. Right. Because you wouldn't want to be sinful with your sister. Presumably. Presumably. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why they're trying to make that point so so heavily necking is debasing and christian young people will restrain themselves and refrain from such indulgence christians know that purity of thought is just as important with god as purity of their bodies 
To argue that necking is simply a part of the natural development of growing youth is begging the question. The girls who give themselves without restraint to the eager beavers, <laughs> who have no other thought on a date than to satisfy their personal lust, or the Swifties, whose only purpose is to take advantage of every girl they date, will soon find out that their reputations have become besmirched and ruined via the grapevine. These two old white guys are going to call you a slut, and they're going to ruin <laughs> your school life. I know. The girl whose reputation is precious to her will quickly check any aggressor in his attempts at necking, and will let him know she is not for sale. And any young man with Christian principles will respect such a girl on a date, and treat her with the same respect and courtesy which he would expect everyone to show to his own sister. There's just so These guys want to fuck their sisters. There's so much mention of sisters, it's weird. Okay, let's let's go on. Kissing is often the prelude to necking, and therefore... Okay, wait, wait, wait. So there's a difference here? Yeah. Necking is making out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just assumed by necking they meant kissing, but okay. No, so that's kissing... smooching. <laughs> kissing is different from... Smooching is different from necking. Okay. <laughs> to be kissed by every boy on every date certainly cheapens any girl. Wow. Wow. Okay. We reprint the written convictions of a senior in Hyde Park High School, Chicago, Illinois, as reported in the Chicago Sun by Eleanor Williams on July 6, 1946. That's today. Hey. No, it was yesterday. No, yesterday. Miss <laughs> Williams writes, Maybe you thought we sounded a little like grandma when we said that the old answer to the kiss question is still the best one, namely that kisses should be valued highly, not given lightly. If you thought the stag line would scoff. What? If you thought the stag line... The stag line, like, like boys... the line of kids at school? I don't know. If you thought the stag line would scoff, here's a letter from a prep school senior. A boy that will surprise you. I have talked with a great many boys, writes Don Raymond, on the subject of kissing girls goodnight, and we are strongly against making a habit of it. If the boy has any feelings toward the girl, he will not even try to kiss her until they have been going together for a long time and are known to have dated a lot together. When a boy insists on kissing a girl every time they go out, he helps to cheapen her reputation, and sooner or later, she will be on the shelf, dated only when there's nobody else. Oof. She'll acquire the reputation of an easy neck. An easy neck. The boy may say that he isn't going to date her anymore if she won't kiss him goodnight, but wait, girls, he'll be back quicker. He'll eventually think a lot more of you if you don't let him kiss you. That's called negging, right? <laughs> That's called hard to get. When he gets home after the date, he'll think that you're okay. He'll certainly think a great deal less of you ten minutes later if you weaken. Hmm. It's just funny that there's absolutely no mention of, like, whether a girl might want to kiss. It's all boys. It's all about the boys. It's like, girls, don't let him kiss you. Don't weaken to his desires or whatever. Like, a girl might want to kiss a boy. Damn. Girls don't like boys. Girls like cars and money. <laughs> Wise words. All right. That's enough of that, I think. Uh, chapter six, courtship and engagement. To almost all normal-minded young people comes the desire and the time to find a mate in marriage and to establish a home. That's us, huh? Yeah. By the time they have reached the age of 35 years, 85% of the people of our country are married. That's probably not true anymore. <laughs> <laughs> of the 15% who are not married at the age of 35, some few have deliberately chosen the state of single blessedness as their way of life, while others are still unmarried because they were not able to find a suitable mate. 
the state of single blessedness. Is that like being Does a that priest? that mean being a pastor? <laughs> uh, something about like, don't get divorced. <laughs> choice on the basis of love. To some it may come as a surprise that love was not always the basis for a choice in marriage. It happens even today that love has no part, no part in the choice of two young people to be married. It is no secret that marriage by purchase existed and perhaps still does among the here we get into the racist stuff <laughs> just gonna say among the chinese japanese and mohammedan mohammedan tribes I, I they mean muslims i guess yeah it must be but they can't say muslim because then you'll look it up later and you'll be converted from being <laughs> and you'll a be Christian. like oh wait this is better <laughs> um nor is it a secret that the cold, hard bargaining spirit has caused fathers to auction off their daughters to the highest bidder. Something about the Bible. The Bible loves that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> love at first sight. The possibility of love at first sight is granted, but young people will act more wisely if they will test this love by waiting a while before marrying to discover whether it is genuine. Too many mistake physical attraction or sex attraction as love at first sight and rush into an ill-considered marriage only to discover when it's too late that it was all a mistake. Mm. You love to show uh, married at first sight. I do like that Is that, that what show. this is about? And it's yeah. always a bad idea. It never turns out well. So actually, good job, guys. Yeah, I think there's only been, I mean, there's been like, what, five or so couples every season and maybe like one or two work out. And even then, it's almost never, like, more than a year. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea. But then again, it's like, well, I mean, you have about the same chance if you try to get married yourself. <laughs> if you count, like, multiple marriages, you know? Sure. I don't know. I'm I'm happy with my choice. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we didn't have, we did wait, like, ten years to get married. Right. <laughs> so we were pretty sure. Yeah, we weren't in a rush about that. Be yourself. Be natural. No Christian should approach the selection of a mate in marriage without asking God in prayer for wisdom to make the right choice. Never should the decision be hurried. Just be yourself. All right, that's that's decent advice. Marriage and the home. Marriage, the will of God. Everything is, like, so intense. Mm. It's all, like, this will change your life. I guess marriage will probably change your yeah, life. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I wonder if these guys would be pissed off uh, if they were still alive and knew that gay men and gay women can get married. Yeah. That'd be chef's kiss. <laughs> I mean, I guess we know exactly what they would say because people from this generation are still alive. That's a good point. <laughs> Marriage and the home are to God and all God-fearing people, not only the oldest, but also the most important secular institutions in the world. Secular. Marriage? Yeah. I guess legally it's secular. Yeah, I guess so. To perpetuate the human race, God created man, male, and female, and blessing them. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That's just a... Uh, he created man, male, and female. Hmm. Can you just... I mean, this is some this is some of the, the jive <laughs> that, the, that the Bible shit gets into, and it it's like gotta use profound language and what have you. Just say God created men and women. You don't gotta say... Right. I mean, it's still wrong, but you, <laughs> you don't got to take yourself so seriously, Bible. Marriage cannot and dare not be a mere experiment to be terminated shortly if it doesn't prove entirely satisfactory, but a lifelong union. Sorry, married at first sight. Oops. 
This book does not approve. Marriage and divorce. I have a feeling they don't like divorce. I have a feeling they're going to say divorce is bad. Currently, a dark cloud hangs forebodingly over the institution of marriage and the American home, the large number of wrecked marriages and easy separations. All too few still believe marriage to be a divine institution. They did just say it was a secular institution. I know. <laughs> right. Make up your mind. Apparently, the number of divorces was equal to 31% of the number of marriages, which totaled 1.6 million in 1945. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't like divorce. What a surprise. <laughs> Chapter 8. Practicing self-control and self-restraint. Hey, look at these clowns playing tennis. That's They're us. They're playing tennis. You have to restrain yourself in every aspect of life. It is God's holy will that all Christian young people practice the necessary restraint and self-control until they enter the holy estate of matrimony. At the present time, you may not even be acquainted with a young man or young woman you will marry. However, you will want your future, ma uh, future mate to come into your life pure and virgin. I will. Gross. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a claim. <laughs> probably not true for most people <laughs> emotional self-control when moses returned from his meeting with god on mount sinai and so, is it sinai 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 see i don't know nothing mm -hmm. <laughs> on mount sinai and saw the people dancing about the golden calf he hurled the two tablets of stone to the ground in righteous indignation a person should not be touchy and sensitive <laughs> that was an example of being touchy <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good point. Yeah, Moses. He did break them, didn't Moses he? Moses should smile more. <laughs> two great dangers. I saw this one earlier when I was flipping through. I know. Through. What are the two great dangers? That's quite well, serious. There are five venereal diseases. Oh! Of, of which. <laughs> We're getting right into this one! <laughs> of which syphilis and gonorrhea are the two most prevalent in the United States. Mm -hmm. These diseases have afflicted the human race for centuries. Syphilis swept like a plague across Europe nearly 450 years ago. The known history of gonorrhea is even much longer. This disease can be traced back for centuries before the Christian era. The control and the eradication of venereal... Remember when they called it venereal disease? Of venereal diseases... <laughs> Wait, what do they call it now? Oh, STI STDs. or STD. Yeah, I... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Present such extraordinary problems and difficulties because they are spread through the intimate sex relationships. <laughs> Ew, what was that? <laughs> that was the guy writing this book. Oh, yeah. Men and women who give themselves to promiscuous sexual intercourse hesitate to admit that they have the disease, since it is found in their sex organs. Ugh. The same hesitation also prevents them from consulting a reputable physician until the contracted disease has reached one of, of the more advanced stages where it is much harder to cure. Oh, are they about to tell us to go to our doctors early? Mm. Frank and open discussion, however, is necessary if they are to be brought under control and their further spread prevented. The time has come when we as a nation must set aside our reluctance and openly and courageously meet the problems which these dread diseases present and correct them for the protection of public health. I'm surprised. Mm -hmm. That's pretty... Uh... Instead of just telling us that we're sluts for getting syphilis, <laughs> they're actually telling us to go see a doctor and get tested. That's a long chapter about syphilis and gonorrhea. <laughs> it was a long chapter. There was more there than there was about marriage. <laughs> chapter 10, Alcoholism. Intoxicants and Self-Control. 
Much grief, sorrow, and suffering can be kept far from your home and your life, as well as the lives of your loved ones, if you will follow the sane and sober instruction of the Bible with regard to the use of intoxicants. In a large number of homes, the drinking of liquor begins as a social custom, but often it quickly degenerates into shameful drunkenness. I mean, it is weird, because earlier they said that you should never drink alcohol. But this hmm. kind of seems to be implying that it's okay sometimes. I think it's okay to drink alcohol, but not to the point when you get drunk. Yeah, we agree. Alcoholism's bad. Okay. <laughs> One time I was in a restaurant <laughs> and I was like eight years old and everyone had like beers at their table. Mm-hmm. And I was with my parents and I said, wow, look at all these alcoholics. <laughs> and they said, EJ. <laughs> And I didn't know that that was like a bad thing because my parents drink all the time. I thought that was, that's just how everyone is. Everyone's alcoholic. They like call themselves alcoholics as a joke, right? Yeah, exactly. So like you probably grew up I probably picked it it up from them. Yeah. So you thought anyone drinking alcohol is an alcoholic? Yeah. It's it's a fair observation. It makes sense. EJ. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that happening. Okay. Um, Leisure time and its problems. Increased leisure time. Our time is the most precious gift of God and one of the foremost factors in planning a full and successful life. Time is a factor in everything we do. Every hour is filled with 60 of these golden opportunities for us a number of times each day. (laughs) How many times? (laughs) No one knows. No one knows yet. Scientists haven't figured it out. Yeah. 60 golden opportunities. I like that. That's actually really cute. Let's see. How should we spend our leisure time? Leisure time for youth. Much leisure time is to be enjoyed by children and young people. They're calculating how much time you have, how much leisure time you have as a kid. You have 44% leisure time. The right use of leisure time is even more important than the prescribed time. If a child or youth starts along the path of evil or sin, it happens as a rule during the leisure hours. If these are not used to good advantage under proper guidance with well-planned programs of wholesome activities, the first step may have been taken towards character and soul-destroying delinquency. (laughs) That's the best kind of delinquency. (laughs) Chapter 12, Nobility of Character. Oh, it's like a little picture of uh, children all around the campfire. This reminds (laughs) me, I used to, my grandma was way into God, and she'd like take me camping uh mm. and we'd go to like i don't remember it was like a christian yeah didn't you go to like a church it was like camp a ch- no it wasn't it wasn't a church camp it was just one of the camps we stayed at in their in their uh like trailer oh, it was a music camp maybe that was it i went Anyways, to something it was yeah. some campground and at at night they had uh like a little powwow with with the youth with the church youth leader yeah and like all the kids and my grandma made me go to it and I did not like it. It was so it awkward. Fun. It was they had little skits. You know how they do in church. They yeah. love their skits. Yeah. Uh and there was it was it was a nice campfire. It was alright. And I think <laughs> I think I had a crush on one of the girls there, but you know she wasn't she wasn't gonna be necking. Nope. Nope. Not at church camp. Not at church camp. I was the only <laughs> heathen. See, I went to like a a church day camp mm-hmm. one summer. Um and it was just like someone in my neighborhood 
had decided to make this almost like a daycare for all the parents. <laughs> and they were like, eh, just send your kids here for like a few hours. That sounds illegal. I know, it's a, little, it's a little shady. But we loved it. And we went and we like played games. And they all were like God-based, I guess. But like, it was just really fun. And then the thing I remember the most is at the end of the day, they'd give us lemon cookies. Oh. That was my favorite part. That's nice. <laughs> they definitely didn't talk to me about uh, nobility of character like this chapter wants to. Wanted. Young people with character. This is a boring chapter, actually. Oh, they're about to talk to... Oh, I thought it was going to be MLK, but I think this is too early for that. It's the actual Martin Luther. Oh, yeah. It says it says Dr. Martin Luther, but he's standing before the diet of... I guess I didn't know he was a doctor. Martin Luther? Martin Luther, the... Like the a Lutheran, Lutheran. Yeah, 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 like Lutheran. Um, I didn't. I guess I didn't doctor? either. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's a doctor, like how Doctor Dre is a doctor. <laughs> right, an honorary doctor. Mm-hmm. Anyways, what did he do? Uh, just some bullshit. Uh, <laughs> he gave a demonstration of a nobility of character seldom witnessed in this world. He proved that character is power. When asked by the hostile rulers of church and state to retract what he had written. Luther replied in those now world-famous words, unless I am convinced by proofs of the holy scriptures or by conclusive arguments, I will not retract anything. All right, that's pretty noble. Number 13, living your religion. Keep thyself pure. A painter once painted a picture and drew from life the likeness of a child at prayer. The little suppliant was was kneeling beside his mother. The palms of his hands were reverently pressed together, and his mild blue eyes were upturned in an expression of devotion and peace. The painter succeeded admirably and called his portrait Innocence. Years passed by, and the artist became an old man. Still the picture hung there. He had often thought that he would like to paint an opposite, a portrait of guilt, but had never found the opportunity. At last he accomplished his purpose by paying a visit to a neighboring jail. On the damp floor of his cell lay a wretched culprit, heavily chained. Wasted was his body and hollowed his eyes. Vice was visible upon his face. The painter again succeeded in a most admirable way, and the two pictures were now hung side by side as innocence and guilt. Thereupon it was discovered that the originals of these pictures were one and the same person. Who didn't see <sighs> what that coming? What a twist. <laughs> You didn't see that coming? No, I, oh. I liked it. <laughs> First in the sweet innocence of childhood, and later in the degradation and ruin of young manhood. This story emphasizes what St. Paul urged when he wrote, Keep thyself pure. That's right. Stay a child forever. Stay a child forever. <laughs> How do you keep yourself pure? Huh, book? <laughs> <laughs> keep your imagination pure. They're saying you got a good imagination and an evil imagination. And you gotta not give in to the evil one. But it's probably fine. Keep your words pure. Keep your thoughts pure. Words are an index of the heart. They reveal its hidden thoughts and desires. Have you seen the, like, the TikToks of people saying, like, drunk words are sober thoughts. And then it's always just them, (laughs) like, did you know chickens can fly? (laughs) (laughs) That's me. That's me when I smoke my J. (laughs) And I gotta write it down, because you know is going to be really important when I sober up later to be... Right. Is it ever important? Yeah, yeah, no. No. (laughs) Chapter 14, The Source and Cause of Man's Sorrow. Didn't Buddha already find this out? 
Gotta find out what the source is. They're going on and on about the good parts of society. I want to know the bad parts. Mm. What is the cause of sorrow, grief, anguish, strife, war, and bloodshed? The answer is sin. Uh, that's a little. Uh, that's a little. That's a little on the nose. Predictable. Just the last chapter. It's the last chapter. Chapter fifteen. Bids, Bids for, for success. success. Pushing to the front. The surest and shortest road to success is by way of toil and labor. Success has always... That's pretty Republican. (laughs) Success has always been the record of hard work. Be ready to do your duty. The creator had a special purpose in mind when he placed you here on earth. You have come out from God and already are on your way back to God. I am? I thought you said I was full of sin. And I'd never go back to God. (laughs) Make up your mind. I mean you're dying. Oh. (laughs) Because you're working so hard. So you got to work harder to speed it up. Get back to God quicker. Right. (laughs) Seize opportunities. Success begins at home. Parents who train their children early in life to be useful and helpful are teaching them that labor is the reward of success. Labor is the reward of success. Shouldn't it be the other way around? Labor is the reward of success. They did say that wrong, right? It's (laughs) It's hard to read. Success in marriage. Uh, depends mainly on the character of husband and wife. Each spouse should bring to marriage and give to marriage his or her best. Like your best self. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Experience teaches that we usually receive in the measure in which, in the measure in which we give. When therefore you apply the golden rule by being kind, considerate, and helpful, and your mate reciprocates in the same spirit, the success of your marriage is assured. The happiest and most beautiful and successful life is the Christian life. In Christ, we have life and have it more abundantly. And because as Christians, we are living in his grace and seek to do his will, we also are heirs with him of the glory which he shared with his father before the world began. Well, that was a really Christian ending. That yeah. was the last sentence of the book. <laughs> yeah. Anything good on the back Let's desk cover here? The book is a product of many case histories of a doctor and a minister and the fruit of their rich experience in ministering to the needs of young people. Vital Facts of Life helps pave the way to a happier, better adjusted adulthood and marriage. I don't know about that. Yeah. (laughs) Seems like it paves the way to a lot of guilt. And repression. And repression. (laughs) And it didn't really describe, like, I think the only time they actually talked about sex was when they briefly mentioned that the penis goes in vagina. (laughs) Like, they never talked about... 69ing. <laughs> that, or just, like, what sex is, what, what, how you should treat it, how you should respect each other, yeah. how you should communicate. Like, any of that was... None of that was discussed. It was just like, yeah. listen, sex make baby. <laughs> you got glands. You got lots of glands, that's for sure. Some glands squirt, some glands receive the squirt. <laughs> Secrete. <laughs> I just hate that word, and they use it so much. I mean, there were some, like, decent, you know, young people tips in here, but it was pretty generic, wasn't it? It wasn't great. It was a lot of, uh... I was hoping for more, like, juiciness, uh-huh. you know? I was hoping for some, I wanted, like... like, pictures of some penises <laughs> and vaginas. There were very few pictures, which, you know, for us is a big no-no in a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need my book to be equal parts... Picture and a bedtime story. Right. And 30% divorce. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot of uh, God and abortion is bad. Sex is 
bad sometimes. Sex is bad unless you're making a baby. But that's the thing I don't understand is like, I mean, unless you are... No, like pretty much all religions think that sex between a husband and wife is good even if you're not making a baby, right? Even in Christ, like adult Christianity, you're not supposed to have sex for fun. Yeah, It's I guess just so. for procreation. I guess which so. Which is, I mean... Well, you're, you have a lot of spermatozoons that come out when... <laughs> spermatozoons. <laughs> See, now I'm embarrassed. I guess I should have known. Sper- so what you is got, it? You got like spermatozoons? A, you got like a million babies that you aren't making whenever you... Right. Whenever you... I mean, really, if you look at... Gland. Oh, far. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, if you look at it scientifically, as the doctor should have, there's evidence that sex should be just for fun. Because there's... Mm-hmm. Too many sperms involved. And you got... uh, (laughs) And there's so many chances that you won't get pregnant. (laughs) And there's gay people. Right. And if you don't have a uterus, a working uterus... Right. You still can enjoy sex. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... You know, this book is bad. It's pretty bad, um... But it was fun to read. (laughs) It is fun to read and, um... To know the context... Uh, that it was 1949, and these are some chumps who love God. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's not go that far. <laughs> I did say that we would try to be respectful. I don't know how respectful we were. I'm sorry. Yeah, we really don't care what you believe in. Um, obviously, we came at this with our own perspective. And just just the fact that they were talking about, you know, relationships and sex in this extremely Christian way was kind of triggering for us but <laughs> but in general most christians nowadays i don't think still believe this stuff well who knows well i don't know like i said i went to Let catholic school <laughs> i went to catholic school for like 15 years mm. and the teachers some of them were a little uh, repressed yeah but some weren't so i don't know take the good with the bad right so that was vital facts of life thanks for joining us on that weird repressed sexual journey some <laughs> caveats uh abortion is good uh yeah. gay marriage is great gay people yeah. are great yeah trans women are women trans men are men yeah uh intersex people are valid yeah and divorce is fine divorce is fine you know what don't even get married it's fine it's fine you'll be <laughs> it's all, all right it's all fine. unless you want the tax benefits but yeah otherwise no really no reason no reason <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time. We'll catch you in the next wave. Bye. Bye.